Hey, this is the last episode of our deep dive season on plastic alternatives and sustainable packaging. Corporations and industry associations are excellent at telling us how to be good consumers. Separate your plastic, reduce your carbon footprint, buy carbon offsets. And I have a few rather controversial questions for you. Is consumer responsibility sometimes a greenwashing trap? Are we harming our environment by overly focusing on individual responsibility versus corporate responsibility? So what is greenwashing? According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, greenwashing can be defined as an expression of environmentalist concerns, especially as a cover for products, policies or activities. In simpler words, greenwashing is used to deceive consumers into believing a product, service or action is better for the environment than it actually is. Our social media lead Myra Bari recently shared a great post on six sins of greenwashing. Number one, vagueness, being purposely non-specific about operations or materials. Second, lesser evil, applying a do-good label to an environmentally unfriendly product. Third, irrelevance. Claiming to avoid using a material or practice that is already illegal or non-standard. Fourth, hidden trade-off. Suggesting a product is green based on a single environmental attribute. Fifth, no proof. Making an environmental claim that cannot be substantiated. And sixth, fibbing. Making environmental claims that are simply false. To receive similar posts and insights on sustainability and food tech, follow us on the Red to Green LinkedIn page or me personally, Marina Schmidt. Marina Schmidt with DT in the end. In this episode, I would like to talk to you about another sin that we came across in the season. Pushing the responsibility on consumers to deflect from corporate responsibility. This may sound confusing at the moment, but let's look at this with a concrete example. As always, you will find links to the resources and statistics mentioned on redtogreen.solutions. Let's jump right in. You're listening to season two on plastic alternatives. Let's move the food industry from harmful to healthy, from polluting to sustainable, from red to green. For resources and to get involved, visit redtogreen.solutions. And I'm your host, Marina Schmidt. In Germany, each person generates more than half a kilo plastic waste every single day. This is a bit more than one pound. The Americans cause a bit less plastic waste per day, but it's still pretty high up there. One could say, fortunately, Germany is also one of the world's leading plastic recyclers as it recycles more than any other country. But let's look at some actual examples. Let's do a little confused consumer pop quiz, specifically for food packaging. You probably know the plastic foil that is used to wrap broccolis or cover mushroom packages. Will it be recycled? Usually, no. The styrofoam packaging for the takeout meals? Nope. The little plastic packages the sachets with ketchup and soy sauce, no. The flexible packaging keeping chips crispy, very unlikely. And even Tetra Pak. Actually, globally, only 20% of Tetra Paks are recycled, as there are three layers. 
plastic, aluminium and carton that need to be separated and handled individually. You can find out more about that in episode 2.3 of the Red to Green podcast. Why are so many things not being recycled? One reason is due to additives, contamination and adhesives. Plastics downcycle and usually become less valuable, so nobody actually wants to pay for it. Second, recycling takes a significant amount of energy and labor to transport, sort, clean, reheat and repurpose the plastics. But plastic recycling works in Germany, the leading recycling nation, doesn't it? Maybe not as much as we think. Germany recycles only half of the plastic and incinerates the other half. But even that is misleading because it's missing something crucial. In 2019, Germany was also the second largest exporter of plastic waste, exporting more than 400,000 tons. That's more than the entire USA is exporting, supposedly. And the only country topping that is Japan. So you may be asking, wait, the best recycling nation, wealthy and full of engineering talent, only manages to recycle less than half of its plastic waste? and then also ships a significant amount to poorer communities? Hmm, how can we expect way less wealthy countries to recycle their plastic? Maybe there's something fundamentally wrong with plastic recycling. To clarify, I'm talking specifically about plastic, not glass, not steel, not paper recycling. As we have mentioned in the first episode of the podcast, one of the best documentaries on the topic is called Plastic Wars by PBS. It's one hour, very well spent. And you will again find the link to the documentary on our website, redtogreen.solutions, when you click on this episode. However, to give you the gist, here are some of the most impactful audio snippets. In the first snippet, you will hear the executive director of Greenpeace USA describing the plastics industry's reaction to the environmentalist movement in the 1970s. In response, many companies, including plastic makers and even some environmentalists, got behind an iconic ad campaign that focused attention on the public's role. And I remember being a kid and watching those ads. The most famous one with the crying Indian Some people have a deep, abiding respect for the natural beauty that was once this country. He was actually Italian, dressed up like an Indian. (laughs) But the fake crying Indian, the most famous one, ends with this very dramatic sentence where they say, People start pollution. People can stop it. People all around the country bought that line and thought it was our responsibility to take care of litter. Now you will hear Lewis Freeman, the former vice president of the Society of the Plastics Industry from 1978 to 2001. But even as Liesmer and his colleagues were publicly promoting recycling, privately, the industry had long expressed doubt it was ever going to happen on a broad scale. One internal document from the Society of the Plastics Industry cautioned, the techniques of cleaning and separating the mixed plastics has not been developed for large-scale economic application. Another said, there are no effective market mechanisms for mixed plastic. And this document was candid. There is serious doubt widespread plastic recycling can ever be made viable on an economic basis. 
How could they go into all of these communities and tell people you just have to recycle when they knew there were so many problems and so many hurdles? Some were very skeptical, yeah. but felt they had to do it. I think others were, were more hopeful. Uh, there was never an enthusiastic belief that uh, recycling was ultimately gonna work in a significant way. Freeman's boss at the time, Larry Thomas, the head of the Society of the Plastics Industry, was blunt about it. I was a front man for the plastics industry. No getting around it. If the public thinks the recycling is working, then they're not going to be as concerned about the environment. I think they knew that the infrastructure wasn't there to really have recycling amount to a whole lot. Lastly, you'll hear a final word from David Alloway, the senior policy analyst for the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality. Science tells us that we need to significantly reduce our use of materials overall. And yet, for the most part, the policymakers are still focused with laser-like intensity on recycling. There's nothing wrong with promoting recycling, except when recycling sucks all the oxygen out of the room and we never do anything else. For the last 40 years, the conversation in this country has been about the recycle part of reduce, reuse, recycle. That wasn't an accident. No, it was not an accident. It was created, it was manufactured. By pushing the responsibility onto consumers, industries may deflect from their responsibility. Orderly throwing things into the recycling bin is not enough. It does not solve the problem. If we want to actually make a change, we need to push for regulation banning the use of single-use plastics, call out greenwashing, and support startups and organizations that are working on solutions to the problem. If you want to learn more about the topic, check out the rest of Season 2 for insights on fully home compostable options from Sugarcane in episode 2.4, algae-based edible packaging in episode 2.5, and styrofoam replacements made from fungi, so from mycelium, in episode 2.7. You can do more than you think. If you're working in a company producing products, push for the reduction of plastic packaging. Go for paper, carton, possibly aluminium or glass if it makes sense, depending on the individual situation. If your company has to use plastic, try to reduce it. Try to go for bio-based, industrially compostable plastics. You can learn more about that in episode 2.10 and 2.11 of the Red to Green podcast. Otherwise, choose 100% recycled plastics instead of virgin plastics. Make sure your products can be recyclable and are actually recyclable. Check with your local recycling facilities whether they would actually recycle them, because between theory and practice, there tends to be quite a big gap. Look at the resources used throughout the supply chain and where single-use items could be replaced by reusable options. This is how we all can create what I like to call passive impact, by changing the systems positively Every single time this would have created plastic waste, we are having a positive impact because we prevented it. You can share the podcast with your colleagues to create awareness on this topic. By the way, if you're a founder or know someone who is tackling the world's most pressing issues, 
check this out. The Rising Tide is a collective of VCs from across Europe who focus on restoring the planet. They offer free advice to entrepreneurs with tech-led solutions for global impact. Find out more at risingtidecollective.org. Risingtidecollective.org. This has been a lot of work in terms of research and production, and the season wouldn't have been possible without the direct support of Rachel McLaurie working on audio editing, Nick Johnson working on industry research and interview preparation, Myra Bari working on social media, and Celeste Gupta working on industry research and audio editing. You can find their LinkedIn profiles on our website. Feel free to reach out. Celeste is a food technologist currently doing her master's at the University of Leeds. She edited the raw interview files, probably over 11 hours of content. Let's briefly hear from her on her insights from this season. What would you say have you learned throughout the time of doing Red to Green? I think I've learned so much how to critically analyze. You know, I think we had a discussion about this on WhatsApp once, that maybe circular economy needs to be redefined. First of all, don't go as per the dictionary definitions start questioning how we are defining the terms and start critically thinking and analyzing if it's actually true. And if it makes sense, like circular economy with recycled plastics didn't make sense because the quality gets degraded. So maybe we need to rewrite new vocabulary, mm -hmm. <laughs> rewrite the definitions of few words. Then the other thing I, I liked was when we talked about recycling chemicals. So I was like, okay, so maybe the packaging is not the only way where we have to be circular. Maybe the manufacturing process can be circular too. Is there anything else that you want to share? I, yes. I did tell you and I loved the episode. I was in the middle of the editing and I would text you like, hey, you know what? I love this. <laughs> and I would tell in my entire family and my friends how excited I'm, I am to be a part of this. My housemate asked, why are you doing it for free? And I'm like, I love it. <laughs> you should listen to the episode. If you like Red to Green, remember to subscribe and share it with your colleagues or friends who could be interested. To volunteer in industry research, marketing, or writing articles, check out redtogreen.solutions. There you will also find resources mentioned in the episodes. Let's move the food industry from harmful to healthy, from polluting to sustainable, from red to green.